the basis of spirituality is that what this event is, what is happening here, is radically and inconceivably, drastically different than what people typically hold it to be. Than what consensus, reality, interpretation of what one's being is, of what one's experience is, of what the world is, and all of this. Um, uh, is very, very, very <laughs> fundamentally um, different than what is actually happening. Um, in actual practice, this isn't too much of a problem because obviously people get through their lives living according to this gross misinterpretation that most people live under. And, um, you know, they manage to get born and, and go through their various stuff and then die and it all, you know, sort of has its nice, uh, nice occurrence. Um, so it doesn't really matter whether, fundamentally, whether or not one understands, recognizes what this actually is or is living under a gross misconception that most people do. Um, the difference is mainly one of uh, implication. The implications of a consensus reality worldview are really pretty crappy. You know, life sucks and then you die, um, with, with, with various elaborations. Um, I don't really think I need to go into that with very much elaboration. You know, you're, you're born and you're this little, relatively impotent, primate wandering around in this vast environment with all sorts of other circumstances which are either competing with you or completely indifferent to you or, you know, want to actively kill and suppress and manipulate you. And, you know, so you're you're basically you're like a you're like a tiny piece on a vast game board that is being, you know, jerked every which way. Um, you know, however however I mean this may be a, so one version of someone's typical <laughs> worldview. Um, but the actuality of what is actually happening here is so fundamentally, so radically different than that. Um, and the implications of what this is, uh, when one realizes it, one discovers one is at the mercy of absolutely nothing. One is, in fact, um, completely... Uh, um, what's the word? Um, completely invulnerable, completely immune from any outside influence. One is, one lives in pris a condition of pristine purity that cannot be violated, that cannot be um, diminished whatsoever. And obviously the feeling tone of oneself and one's existence in that light <laughs> has a very different implication than the feeling tone of um, consensus reality worldview where one where you're basically pretty much screwed <laughs> unless you're really lucky and then you're not quite so much screwed <laughs> maybe <laughs> so it's kind of like the fine print you know if you if you can recognize what this is you get to take advantage of the fine print it doesn't change anything but it turns out you don't need to change anything because everything you would want to change from the point of view of a consensus reality worldview, it turns out not to be the case anyway, so it doesn't actually apply. You've just had it completely wrong. So how can this happen? How can, how can what this is 
and what it seems to be be so fundamentally different. How can that happen? How can that occur? Um, and if, if the answer is a, a, a subtle one and a complex one. <coughs> um, consciousness or intelligence, whatever it is, has uh, obviously has an, uh, 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 an immense power of fantasizing, an immense power of interpretation, um, so that we are in experience which is actual, is real, and in actual fact, one's experience is not in any way concealed, or 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 hidden, or or occult, or or blocked. Experience plainly and nakedly reveals what it actually is. Um, if one looks and sees unbiasedly, but there's the rub, one doesn't look and see unbiasedly, one looks and sees in the context of this imaginative, interpretive faculty of consciousness, which supplies an, a, a very heavy-handed overlay of interpretation, and typically one doesn't realize that this interpretive component is a part of one's experience. One just thinks, oh, that's the way things are, and it's all real, it's all true, it's just like that. Um, which, you know, may seem strange. It may seem, well, no, it should be easy to tell actuality from interpretation, actuality from imagination. But in actuality, it isn't because of the power of intelligence, the power of imagination. And this is very easy to illustrate. Um, we, we all have experiences that illustrate this very powerfully. For example, reading a book. You know, say you're reading a work of fiction. What you're actually doing is looking at black shapes on a white page. And yet, what's your experience of reading a really engrossing work of fiction that really moves you powerfully? You, you, the fact that you're looking at the black shapes on a white page appearing in your field of vision mm -hmm. is the smallest portion of what you're experiencing. You're, right? You're experiencing this whole scenario, this whole elaborate dream involving all sorts of environments and circumstances and characters and events, none of which are actually happening. And yet, this, that is the story. The story, but it isn't the story. The story is just black squiggles on a white page. Right? But, but, it, but all of this overlay comes with and the consciousness is so ready to be seduced that it just gets sucked into smearing all that together and it just eats it all up like a smorgasbord. Um, perhaps a, uh, an, uh, an even more obvious example, not more obvious, but more subtle example of the seduction is going to movies. You go to a movie, you know, and the movie can be really, just really affecting, can be really potent, really powerful, really juicy, you know, it really gets you going one way or another. Right, and you're you're being jerked around, and all this is happening, and there are these people, and they're involved in all of these events, and it's all very poignant or exciting or or saddening or whatever. Right, all that there is there is patterns of light on a screen. Not, there's no people there. There's no events. There's no environment. There's no cause and effect. There's no chain of events. It's just patterns of light on a screen. But the consciousness doesn't let itself just see that. The consciousness smears the patterns of light with this imaginative interpretive overlay, and it's all just a big gestalt. That the consciousness doesn't discriminate between the two. 
it just that's the movie the truth is light on the screen but it's also you know the hero and the villain and all this great excitement and all that and that's the fun of a movie if a movie was just patterns of light on a screen who would why would you pay money for it except money is just patterns of light on a piece of paper so who, when, why would you give a shit <laughs> but but anyway another example of course is which we're all very familiar with is a dream when you're lost in a dream it's real you're really there you're really in this world you really are the character that seems to be appearing in the dream you really are involved in the events or whatever types of you know apparent um, circumstances seem to be going on right and it's all there and it's all real and it's all objective and it's it's really happening it's your life and you wake up and you look back on it and you think nothing was there no one was there you know there wasn't even patterns of light and there wasn't even a screen what <laughs> the dream just bootstraps itself up essentially out of nothing out of whatever sort of raw material machine language that the, that the unconscious has floating around in it and just spits out all this incredible elaboration and makes it seem so so real um, so consciousness has this astounding power to sort of connect the dots to fill in the blanks to to interpret based on raw data which is essentially neutral by and large and and turn it into all of these elaborations which seem to have all of this wonderful emotional implication um, and what you know what it's hard to realize apparently what most people don't seem to realize is that in the consensus reality worldview that most people you know whatever that is if there is such a thing that people hold um, is essentially exactly the same thing mm -hmm. it's a completely built up <coughs> fantasy based on relatively skimpy el el you know um, evidence which has essentially nothing to do with what this elaborate fantasy is so here I am I'm in the world I live in California I'm in the 21st century and I'm this and I'm that and blah 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 my history is this and blah it's all bullshit it's essentially patterns of light on the screen or in this case patterns of light in my field of vision patterns of sound in the field of hearing patterns of you know sensation tingling in the field of touch and all of that which is analogous to and when you read a, a novel it's analogous to the black squiggles on the white page that is the only thing that's actually there and all the rest is just is just you know generated by the fantasy and yet and smeared to that as if it was one thing and it's experienced as if it was one thing so the, so the consciousness is very ready to be seduced it's very ready to to lose itself in the basis of experience and, and supply an elaborate overlay of all sorts of content, all sorts of implication, which doesn't exist except in fantasy. And the consciousness is ready, eager, willing, and able to ignore the fact that it's actually generating nine-tenths of that on a very skimpy basis. So, this is the nature of the spiritual problem. The fact that what this event actually is and what it's experienced to be 
can seem to deviate so fundamentally, so radically. And the downside is the implications of our fantasies are always vastly less than the actuality. The nature of the actuality has some extremely delightful um, implications and, and uh, inherent uh, nature, um, which one gets to enjoy when one recognizes what it is, when one recognizes what one is. For example, you alone exist. You aren't existing in an environment subject to other things that are imposing on you that you need to protect yourself from or that you need to dominate or whatever your particular psychological strategy is. That's all fantasy. You alone exist. Essentially, everything that appears is your energy appearing to yourself, just like a dream. So, well, but that feels different, doesn't it? If you could feel that, if you could feel your experiences being that, what would that be like? How different would that be from the normal mindset, you know? Um, another thing, you don't depend upon anything. You aren't, there's nothing that's doing this that is, that is making you its bitch. There's nothing that's doing this that is controlling you, that is imposing upon you, that is subjecting you, forcing you to be passive to its active. Um, there's nothing like that. This is bootstrap, this actuality is bootstrapping, what you are is bootstrapping itself up out of its own nature. Very much like a dream. In fact, if you look at what a dream actually is, you're looking at very much what this experience here actually is. Um, and, and, you know, which is kind of handy because we're all very familiar with the phenomena of dreaming and we're all essentially familiar with what a dream is, at least, at least you know, to, to some degree. And in actuality, what's happening here is precisely the same thing. Now, you know, your average person sitting here hearing this would say, well, that's crazy. What do you mean? I'm, I'm not asleep. I'm awake. This is real. This is the real world. It's not a dream. Well, okay. You know, and, and, and it's easy to hold that, and it's understandable why one would assert that. But in actuality, it's not true. And it's possible to discover that it's not true. And the evidence that it's not true is plain to see, um, readily discoverable. It's not even esoteric or hidden or requires some elaborate training or brainwashing or something. On the contrary, just look very closely at what makes up your experience and you will discover uh, these qualities. You will discover the instantaneity of experience. Experience only exists now. It's like, bang. That's pretty weird. So the entire universe only exists as this instantaneous flash of nowness that is right here, right now. Okay? Um, look at your experience. There's no there. There's no then. There's only here and now. You go outside and you see the sun. You're seeing it here. You're not seeing it there. Where's there? There is a, is a euphemism for here in your experience. You see me talking. You're seeing me here. You know, oh, but you know, you're someone else. I'm me, and you're you, and you're different, and I'm over here, and you're over there. I'm an apparition in your experience, as far as you can tell. You cannot verify that I have any existence except as an apparition in your experience. If you exist, I don't know, because you're just an apparition in my experience, and I can't know if you exist. Is anything more than that? I can hypothesize that maybe you do in some strange way, 
but I can never know that, so it's irrelevant. It's just a theory. It's like how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. It may be that every subatomic particle is a sentient entity, but I can't know because as far as I'm concerned, they're all just apparitions in this experiential field. Of course, interestingly enough, me, Peter Brown, is likewise an apparition. This body is just an apparition. The personality and the, is just an apparition. The mentality is just an apparition. The emotions is just an apparition. So even my subjective nature, my individuality as a human being, so-called, is just patterns appearing in this experiential field. So the only actuality is this present experiential field, which is here, within which all of these strange instantaneous patterns appear. Um, and the patterns constitute the field, and the field constitutes the patterns, and the idea that there's patterns within a field is uh, a, an accident of semantics. It's an accident of the structure of language, because actual patterns can't be found separate from the field. A field can't be found separate from the patterns. It's all just this that is here now. And it can't, and there's nothing else. There's here, now, th this, and that says it all. And, and, and another very powerful um, aspect of experience that is completely obvious to examination is it's unresolvable. You can't pin down precisely what any experience is exactly what color is anything, exactly what shape is it, exactly what, you know, any quality, when you look very closely, it's all very weird. First of all, it's continually changing. Everything is subtly or grossly changing continually. Experience never repeats itself and always changes absolutely globally across the board. So you can sit in the, in the same room, unmoving, for 24 hours, and every instant of your experience, you'll experience something you've never experienced before. Completely. Every aspect of it. And you may say, oh, that's splitting hairs. You know, it's just, nothing's really, really changing. It's just like <coughs> fineness of the light, or, you know, I blink, or whatever. But that's spin doctrine. In actual fact, it, it, the instant, the momentary experience is always unique and never repeats. Exactly what you're experiencing now, you have never experienced any of it before. You could have been in this room a thousand times, and you could say, well, I've experienced, what I've experienced every time in this room is pretty close to the same. But pretty close to the same is a euphemism for entirely different. Almost the same is a way of saying completely different. You know, if it's not the same, it's, it's, it, the same means the same. It doesn't mean almost the same, or kind of the same, or sort of the same. And so you might say, well, gee, that's getting awfully precious, that's getting awfully nitpicky, splitting hairs. Look at, the, look at experience and you'll discover this continual morphing, this continual changing that sometimes is gross and catastrophic, sometimes very subtle, but it never ceases, it never stabilizes, it never actually becomes coherent. So exactly what color is anything? Well, you can't tell because whatever color it is, it's already something else. You know, it, it, it morphs, it shifts. You, you, know, you, you move your head up 
a 30-second of an inch, and all of a sudden the light is different on it, and it shifts, you know, whatever, who knows, or the, the, blood, the, the blood patterns in your retina are that different, and it, I mean, who knows? But the fact is, experientially, everything is continually slippery, continually morphing, continually um, unstable. And this is not philosophy. Look and see. This is, this is just plain perception. This is the way perception works. Um, you know, a very, those of you that have heard me talk more than once have probably heard me say this a bazillion times. A very, very simple experience, uh, experiment you can take to, to in, in, investigate all this stuff. Sit in front of a blank wall. It doesn't have to be big, even just a few feet of a blank wall. It's just well lit and just sitting there and just sit in front of it for a minute or five minutes or ten minutes and just don't move and just, you know, don't, you don't need to like get intense about it. Just relax, but sort of gaze, gaze at the wall without shifting your eyes, you know, relax, don't get, up, don't get obsessive about it, just look at the wall without shifting your eyes, just looking at the same place, and just watch your experience for five minutes or for ten minutes. And after a few minutes, you'll think someone dosed you with acid, because there's this flickering and this fluttering and these flashing colors and all of this activity and dynamism, and I'm just looking at a fucking blank wall, where did all this stuff come from? But what one is doing is just sensitizing oneself to what all experience always is. I mean, this is an example in the visual field, but you can perform an analogous experience in any sense field or in the mentality of anywhere you want. Um, and, and one of the interesting ways in terms of perception that consciousness skips over this obvious fact, this obvious extreme dynamism, is by... Um, jumping of attention. It consciousness perception ordinarily doesn't actually look at anything for very long. And again, I'm using look, which sort of implies field of vision, but this applies across the board in the experiential field. Typically, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm looking through it, but actually I'm sort of looking here and looking here and looking here. The eye sort of dances around, and so it's like taking a bunch of snapshots. And so in the quick, in the quick flash, it seems to be very clear and stable and not going anywhere. And so, basically, I'm taking a bunch of little instantaneous snapshots, you know, maybe, you know, many, 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 every minute or every second, even. Um, and so, so they seem to be stable. But if I actually, if you actually settle your gaze and look, and again, you don't need to be obsessive and like, you know, tighten up or you know, just relax and gaze steadily. And again, this is a visual field, but it applies across the board. Let your gaze steadily without letting your eyes shift. You'll notice something very interesting happens. Whatever you're looking at softens. It gets, you know, try it. I mean, it's very simple. It softens. It starts to sort of breathe and, and, and morph. And I mean, in subtle ways at first, but it, it, can, it can happen very, very grossly and obviously too. So, so this is very interesting. So, you know, so stability which we Im impute to in the objective world, doesn't exist experientially. It doesn't actually exist. So it's supplied in imagination, it's supplied in fantasy, essentially, in interpretation, you know, spontaneously and effortlessly by the intelligence as an overlay of the actual, actual experience, which is much more fluid and dynamic and unstable.
so these are just some examples of the ways it's possible to look at your experience and discover how obviously and explicitly and and um, overtly it's, it deviates from what we usually think that it is. And um, in doing so, it's, one can have a radical paradigm shift where it's kind of, it can be kind of like a, um, kind of like a, an optical illusion where you're looking at it and it seems to be one thing, you know, like you're looking at it and it seems to be two faces looking at each other and you're looking and all of a sudden, oh my God, it's a vase, there's no faces, you know, whatever. And, you know, so-called spiritual realization is very much like that. Because one has been looking at this all along, thinking of it as, oh, it's me and I'm in the world and there's all this stuff around me and all this stuff is happening and going on. And all of a sudden it can shift it. Oh, I'm here alone. There's just this this field with all of these, you know, these, these experiential qualities appearing in it subtly, dynamically, with an obvious infinity and unresolvability. And the whole feeling tone implication of that is drastic. <laughs> um, so that's kind of a skimming overview, but that's basically what all this stuff is about. This is what this is the, the, the essence of what spirituality is about. It's about discovering the fact, and it doesn't rely upon theories or gods or Hindu names or you know wearing funny clothes and, and learning funny handshakes or something. It just it just is based on the fact that what this actually is is radically different than what most people are used to thinking it is. This is discoverable, and the implication of this discovery is, um, you know, to say life-changing is, is to minimize it. So in all of this that we're here to discuss, uh, there's, there's two aspects, one of which is the theoretical aspect, and the other of which is the practical aspect. Now, the theoretical aspect is... Um, you know, in terms of dwelling on the theoretical aspect, it's a little bit like uh, dwelling in um, poetic hyperbole, um, which is ev evocative, perhaps, <laughs> but not very precise or very um, uh, useful, except as a poetic evocation, which which may or may not be useful. <coughs> um, <coughs> I, I, for this reason, I try to, or, or I tend to emphasize the practical aspects of all this, which is, you know, well, what what can one do in terms of approaching this, in terms of looking at this, in terms of discovering this, in terms of, you know, um, developing more subtlety, if such is possible, um, in in being with this and in, in, in engaging with this more profoundly, precisely, um, uh, uh, completely, let's say. And, you know, which is why I have styled what I present as a yoga, because um, my idea is that this word um, in, in, it emphasizes and, and and indicates this kind of a of a more or less active engagement or an, a, 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 a a practical approach rather than you know merely lying back with shitting your grins on your face, waxing philosophical about how great it all is. And there's plenty of time for that, too, because, I mean, you know, what else is there to do? There's a lot of hours in the day, right? <laughs> um, so in terms of the practical aspects, 
there's um, there's uh, two sides of it. One of which is uh, based an essentially deconstructive approach of of you know what it isn't. All all the stumbling blocks of our pre expectations and our and our our, our our conditioned mindset of the human consensus reality framework that is more or less ingrained um, by you know for whatever in whatever context um, that is in terms of impediments that is you know the largest seeming uh, superficial uh, impediment that one has to um, deal with in terms of approaching all this. So there's this deconstructive aspect of what, well, this it's not that, it's not this, it's not that. It's not what you expect it to be, it's not what you think it is, it's unthinkable, so on and so forth. But then we get to the juice of the matter, which is the actuality. <laughs> you know, um, f- fortunately, the, the essence of my whole approach and, and what I try to present is um, the fact that transcendental reality is actual. What is actual as your experience and in your experience is nothing whatsoever other than completely and utterly transcendental reality. That you know the 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 epitome of the epitome is what is here, which is very very fortunate because it's not something that you need to search for long ago and far away and develop, you know, extreme superpowers um, or 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 super technology to to begin to discover even exists. On the contrary, you can start anywhere, you can look at any actuality whatsoever, and what it actually is, is what you're looking for, is what, you know, is what the point of all this stuff is, this this transcendental reality that is, you know, in, in terms of the hyperbole of theory, that is the absolute, absolute infinite divinity, that is the imminent presence of the Lord thy God, that is this, that is that, all of these various, you know, um, um, amazing things one can say about it, this actually is that. So, well, that's lovely, because here it is, so you can look at it, you can poke it and prod it, you can engage it, you can um, check it out and see what it is. So this actuality of your experiential field, this actuality of your experiential presence, um, is the, 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 the path of yoga, the vehicle of yoga, and also... Um, the goal of yoga, so it's it's quite convenient. <laughs> you have you have um, you have the entire um, you know the entire toolkit, the entire shooting matches right here, always available twenty four seven, and um, um, so all one needs to do is notice that fact. <clears throat> um, and and of course, this 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 practical approach of noticing. Um, consists largely of tricks because um, the the actuality is that in fact you already are noticing it and you always have been noticing it so noticing becomes a trick uh, of 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 uh, of this of noticing that 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 is the case noticing that you are in fact already noticing it noticing that you are in fact already engaged with it noticing that you are in fact already it which, of course, is the goal of all this. You discover, oh, I am what is present here. Me, the, my universe, everything is this, un, you know, unutterable transcendental reality, this inconceivable infinity, which happens to be the case. <coughs> um, so the, 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 main, the main trick I recommend is, 
to feel the texture of your experience. You can, you know, be with any aspect of any experience whatsoever. Something that, you know, some aspect that seems to be appearing in a, as a sense field or some aspect that seems to be appearing as a mental experience or a subtle energy experience or anything whatsoever. And just feel the texture of it. Feel the parameters of it. Feel what it is, how it is, where it is, what it's made of. Any, you know, anything whatsoever that, you know, any aspect of it or apparent aspect of it that seems to draw your attention. And if, as you do so, you will ultimately stumble on the fact that whatever parameter you think you're approaching isn't actually like that. It's actually weirder than that. And that's when you, that's, that's when the yoga really starts. That's when you're off and running. When you notice, oh, I thought I was feeling the texture of light, and here I am. Whoa, what is this? And um, in this, in, in noticing the, the, the inconceivable subtlety and bizarreness and nonlinearity and undescribability of every and any aspect of, what, of this actuality um, is engaging in this yoga and, is, and is, is the ultimate discovery of this yoga. You know, the ultimate discovery is, of course, that this absolute infinity, this absolute ungraspability applies across the board with, with no... <laughs> with nothing held back whatsoever. And then, you know, then you have the famous Tatsvamasi, you know, you are this, this, this infinite divinity, this, you know, transcendental field of radiant presence, the, you know, the Dharmakaya shining, shining forth as nothing, within nothing, made of nothing, and so on and so forth, whatever, you know, whatever, again, getting, lapsing back into the poetic hyperbole of theory where you get all those wonderful um, descriptions and myths of this this glorious actuality, but the fact is, of course, you know, as I've been trying to emphasize, this glorious actuality is, in fact, an actuality, and it's the actuality of your very mundane, your very normal experience. So, so the the the, the normalcy of your experience becomes the interface point and the actual presentation of complete and absolute transcendence. So simply noticing that fact and exploring it, uh, you know, with, with whatever um, subtlety and intelligence and um, um, sensitivity seems to be available um, can and will ultimately lead to this discovery because there's nowhere else for it to go because it, that's what it actually happens to be. That's what it is, you know. And the only way to end up somewhere else is to imagine it, to fabricate it, <clears throat> which is, you know, which is actually no... No small um, caveat, because the as we know from experience, the the power of the imagination to generate versions and interpretations of what this is 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 really overwhelmingly powerful. You know, all sorts of fanaticisms and um, you know consensus realities and and worldviews are are effortlessly generated within this with absolute convincing, this absolute conviction and. People buy into these um, um, wholeheartedly, and and because they're so obviously true. <clears throat> so you know, so this is this is always a always a um, a slipping point. This is always a tripping point. <clears throat> and the resolution of this 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 issue that this continually spins off apparent versions of itself that are yet inaccurate and inherently. 
um, the the way the, the the way to deal with it is is that is rather than s- discovering that's a problem, you discover that is actually the prime characteristic of this. This is that which presents itself as other than itself. This is that which presents itself as 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 a deviation from itself, as a version of itself. It's like it's like dreaming and sleep. You know, sleep is that which presents as dreams, and the and the dream. You know, if you want to know what sleep is, if you get caught up in the, the, the specifics of how a dream's presenting, you're liable to be misled because you're going to think it's, you know, whatever you're dreaming about. And, 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 and ultimately it is. <laughs> but, but sleep is that which is presenting as this. So anyway, all of this kind of, of subtlety and ambiguity is much more, it's much better, um, um, uh, felt and, and experienced and danced with than it is talked about or described. So, um, you know, I, I, uh, as always, I invite you to continue to explore this, this absolutely astounding actuality that you happen to be. The entirety of spirituality, any and all spirituality, no matter in what context it's being presented in, um, gets down to an issue of misinterpretation. Um, what is actual is misinterpreted in various ways and then these misinterpretations are confused with the actuality and are held to be actual um, so that one is then relating to one's misinterpretation as if actuality was like that Um, which of course is liable to cause no end of problems because actuality isn't actually like that and the real downside, the real bummer in all of this, is that these misinterpretations tend to be diminutive. They tend to diminish and make very much less of the actuality. So the actuality is vastly more than the interpretations tend to be. So as such, when one relates to interpretations, one is essentially censoring oneself and depriving oneself of access to or of orienting to the fullness of the condition and one and the properties of the condition um, that are actually available, but are not being noticed or recognized or partaken of um, deliberately because they're, they're they're not they don't come within the purview of the misinterpretations that are being oriented to. <coughs> I don't know how well I put that <laughs> words. Um, so, I mean, to put it very simply, you know, typical human consensus reality worldview, well, what is actual? Well, my body's actual. My life is actual. The world is actual. History is actual. You know, my, my family, my relationships, whatever, is actual. My life, relation, my life you know, interactions and, and functionings are actual. So that's typical consensus reality worldview. So what is actually actual? Your experiential field is all that is actually actual. Um, now all of these misinterpretations rise, um, you know, reasonably enough from interpretations of the conditions that seem to be appearing in your experiential field. Um, in other words, you know, the, the interpretation may include the notion that there are certain objects and so on and so forth, and these objects are abstracted out of partial 
apparitions that appear within the experiential field. Uh, and, and there seems to be um, a memory appearing as a property within the experiential field. And so this memory is extrapolated as if it was actual, as if it was historical in memory of actual events and there's a flow of time and there may be a cause and effect and all of these complexities which are essentially imagined into existence on the basis of a hypothetical interpretation of the actuality, which is just the presence of the experiential field with its nature. <coughs> um, so, I mean, the, the, the issue itself is extremely simple. Where it begins to get complicated is when you begin to get down into the, the details of the possible elaborations and of the misinterpretations and 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 so on and so forth because uh, an enormous amount of intricacy is possible um, in these misinterpretations because of the inherent um, uh, infinite level of detail that seems to be presented within the experiential field in other words the experiential field presents apparent experiential characteristics or you can call them apparitions or whatever you want to um, with a, a literally infinite amount of detail, infinite resolution, just a, a, an astounding, um, uh, inconceivable bandwidth of information. So it's possible to selectively tune into this detail or that detail and use it as the basis for 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 great elaboration of one's of one's hypothetical misinterpretations, and we end up with the the normal human consensus reality situation where one is basically oblivious to the actual condition that is present and is relating entirely to this projection of misinterpretation, which is it's a viable hypothetical interpretation. There's nothing wrong with having hypothetical interpretations. You know, maybe it is possible to interpret this as if it was XYZ, but if you forget that it's a hypothesis and you just jump to that it's actual and it's not even it's not even thought to be to, for there to be any even possibility of questioning it. That's what the you know the condition which is usually called or often called delusion or ignorance or unenlightenment or you know these these various kinds of epithets uh, in, in spirituality um, refers to. Um, it's as if. You know, you're a kid and you're taught that there's Santa Claus and there's a tooth fairy and there's an Easter bunny. And suppose you really, 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 really believed there was Santa Claus and the tooth fairy and the Easter bunny, right? And suppose you still did, okay? Now, there's no problem in that, except that there isn't actually a Santa Claus or a tooth fairy or an Easter bunny. So there's no problem in believing it's that way, um, except for the fact that, that you may sooner or later run up into some degree of of, of cognitive dissonance with the actuality of your experience and, and the ex expectation of having Santa Claus come down your chimney or what have you. <laughs> and, you know, and, and likewise, the, the simple notion of the existence of an objective material world, the simple notion of the existence of, you know, a, a, an objective mechanistic cause and effect, the simple notion of you know, um, space and time, history stretching back X billion years and stretching forward, and project, it, you know, one supposes perhaps however long it's going to go. All of these things are just like Santa Claus 
the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy. They're, they're interesting hypotheses. Maybe there is a Santa Claus. Just because no one's seen him doesn't disprove it. But on the other hand, it's still, it's, it's a maybe, right? If you jump from a maybe to, no, there is a Santa Claus. You know, there is history, there is space and time, there is an objective world. You know, which, which for most people would be laughable. You know, if you came up to them and said, most people, there's no space and time, you know, there's no objective world, they'd think you're a nutcase. Um, you know, which is interesting. It's an interesting state of affairs that the majority has it so fundamentally um, inaccurate. Um, but be that as it, as it may, um, it's possible to remedy this situation. It is possible to notice the inaccuracy of these interpretations and to notice the nature of the actuality which is present, which is, of course, the, 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 the undeniable actuality of your experiential field, and to sort of shift gears and basically withdraw and ultimately shift the whole center of gravity of your orientation from these hypotheses, these hypothetical misinterpretations, to the actuality, which is this richness. And as I, as I, as I said earlier, the real upside of all this is that these interpretations tend to be very highly diminutive. They tend to be very censorious. They make, they, 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 they make something that is vast and actual and infinite, and they shrink it down into something that is very finite and dull and describable. And in the process, um, there's a whole lot of implication that is lost that one is essentially cut off from, relating to, um, in terms of just one's mindset of what this is, what is here, what's going on, and so on and so forth. <coughs> so there's no requirement to <laughs> to for one to you know um, uh, reassess and, and 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 make this discovery of the inaccuracy of of the, all these interpretations. But on the other hand, it's possible to. It's, you know, it's an analogy that I often make. It's a lot like loopholes in the tax law. You don't have to take advantage of them, but they're there and you can, and it might be to your advantage, too. Um, so that's the, uh, that's the, <laughs> the, 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 the advocacy <laughs> of doing, of looking into all this stuff. <laughs> it turns out to have some pretty cool perks. <laughs> Um, so that's a theoretical overview um, of, of what spirituality is all about which is probably unnecessary because you all are all gradu graduate level <laughs> or, or better uh, people approaching this stuff but um, how to do it Where's the, what's the meat and potatoes of this discovery this investigation <coughs> and it really gets down to paying attention to the texture of, of experience itself, of the experiential field. Um, for example, uh, 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 TV consists of little dots of flashing light and sound. And the, at the imagination, effortlessly, 
and ingeniously and with enormous power takes, takes that really paltry information and abstracts it as the, a whole elaboration of you know people objectively existing in an environment in a situation and interacting uh, with various degrees of sophistication or since it's TV more likely lack thereof <laughs> and, and so all of the, 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 the perceiving consciousness effortlessly through the paltry information of these little flashing dots of light and the, and the you know the pieces of, two pieces of paper rattling and making sound effortlessly does this interpretation and this is a, a perfect illustration of the mechanism of this interpretive um, potency that the intelligence has that consciousness seems to have <clears throat> and so one can perform one can do the reverse of that with one's experience it, it's, when you're looking at a TV it's quite possible to just take a moment and, and rather than just being sucked into the programming take a moment and, and just look wait a minute this is just colors on a flat screen and just look at the colors on a flat screen and likewise with your experiential field you know it's, it's quite possible to take a moment and look at the presence of what's actually here okay what's here in the visual field you know there is a you know a field a, a, you know a, a stereoscopic field or two fields if you blink your eyes with it, you know however you want to get you know mechanistic about it but anyway there's a field of colors light um, brightnesses whatever you know you can start categorizing and contrasting the things that are there but that's not the point the point is to just see the field of information that is present and it's not people it's not a room you know it's not anything it's just light it's color it's you know um, maybe shapes or whatever you know you can again it's not important to categorize uh, make a list of everything that's there but just shift gears a minute and then just look at how it's just this visual information present and there's and nothing else everything else is a hypothesis maybe it's people maybe it's a room maybe the TV is maybe someone snuck in in the middle of the night and substituted your TV with some kind of a magic window into some place that, where things are actually happening um, so that's a hypothesis but if you're just sitting across the room looking at the little box you can't really know what you can know is the presence of the flickering colors the presence of the sound and likewise if you look at your experiential field you'll find a very analogous situation there's a presence of you know I mean granted it's an, it's an inconceivable density of information like in the visual field alone the, the range of energies and colors and, and visual textures that seem to present themselves is astounding and the level of detail you can sort of zoom in on things and just you know talk about talk about high resolution <clears throat> but still in all it's just information within the visual field and it doesn't be, go beyond the visual field you close your eyes and it all disappears bang you open your eyes and it all just is there you know so so and anything more is being added in the, essentially in imagination as interpretation and then of course obviously likewise you can do the same thing with the other sense fields you can do the same thing with you know the, the power of thought and mind itself you can do the same thing with 
you know, you can get more elaborate when you look at mind and look at things like memory, look at things like imagination and various subcategories and so on and so forth. But ultimately, you always find the same thing. You find patterns of, we call it experiential energy patternings, characteristics, whatever. I mean, there's no language for this stuff. Um, patternings of experiential information appearing in real time, spontaneously, it's not being, you're not having to do it, it just, it just appears, it lasts instantaneously, as far as you can tell, only the present moment can be found, and, and there's absolute instability in persistence of the information, all the information is completely and utterly morphs in every way, instantly. You know, and, and all of this, again, this is very familiar, you know, if you, it, it's not news to anybody. But simply, you know, taking the time to check in on this and comprehensively sort of review um, that this is in fact the case. That all that's really here is the apparition of all of this strange information as the experiential field. So the experiential field, you might visualize it as being kind of like a bubble that's floating here, presenting all this sort of multimedia information. And as far as you know, there's nothing outside the bubble. Right? Everything just disappearing within the bubble, and nothing goes beyond it. Nothing, nothing, you know, as far as you know. There may be, I mean, you can make all sorts of hypotheses, but you cannot verify that because obviously if you experience anything, by definition, it's an apparition within your experiential field. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it comes to you, you don't go to it. <laughs> um, for example, you're always right here, aren't you? You've never been, you're always right here and exactly in the center of your experiential field, your, let's call it your experiential bubble. Like, oh no, you know, I was here and I drove my car. And I, when you're driving your car, you're right here and the world moves past you. You know, you're walking down a hall, you're right here and the hall moves past you. You know, you turn your head you're right here and the whole room moves side to side. I mean, this is self-evidently just the case. It's just the fact that that is so. But we're used to not attending to it or giving it much credence because we, you know, we're so brainwashed and ingrained with all of this interpretive frameworks of, oh no, there's an objective world. There's a room that's actually out here and my body is little and my eyes are on my head and when my head twists, I'm seeing different portions of the room which is actually there. Now that may or may not be the case, but you can't know if it's the case, right? And, and take the example of a dream. In a dream, all the same phenomena might happen, let's say. Suppose you're having a particularly realistic dream. Um, and you, you, know, you seem to have a body and you seem to be able to walk and drive or maybe fly or whatever and you turn your head and everything shifts and you think well here I am in this world and then you wake up and there was no world there where'd the world go where'd all the people I was interacting with go where'd my body that was in the dream go <coughs> was it even there it was just a dream but, this is, but the waking world this is the real world this is really here now I'm finally I'm back to reality you know, but then you go to sleep and all of this disappears and where did it go? It's just as if you're waking up from, when you go to sleep it's just like you're waking up from a dream. You don't, you, when you, as soon as you fall into sleep you don't know you left the world. The world's gone utterly. You don't know it was ever there. Right? I mean, 
Is that your experience? That's my experience. You know, I fall into sleep and I mean, I might be, I might not be very deeply asleep and I might be kind of floating in a kind of a, where I have a sense of being in the world, but when, I'm, when I clunk out, I mean, I'm just gone. And, and this world is just, what world? Peter Brown who? Where? You know, it's just, it's just, and yet I don't go anywhere. It's still just me right here in the middle of things. Although at that point, the things are very, are, are very different <laughs> and impossible to describe from the waking condition, but it's never, it's not nothing. Deep sleep is still in the presence of an experiential field. It's just presenting with a, you know, a very different range of qualities. And then maybe a dream, a dream comes up, or you go into less, into more shallow sleep and you roll over or something, you know. And, and, but still, nothing, it's still just you right here in the middle of your experiential bubble, and then the patterns shift. Right? It's like when you start dreaming, and all of a sudden, the sort of the vagueness or the darkness or whatever it is of deep sleep sort of colors begin to show up and then shapes and all of a sudden there's a plot line and you're off and running and you're, you know and sometimes you can be in a dream you can, you, I'm sure you've all, I expect you've all experienced this, you can be in a dream and you, you know if you look at it objectively once you wake up you, you must have just started dreaming about then, but the dream is in a world you've been in for five years <laughs> and you remember the backstory and you remember the history, <laughs> have you experienced things like that? I have <laughs> But anyway, um, the point of all this isn't that it is a certain way. The point of all this is to look for yourself and, and try to assess in real time what is actual and what is an interpretation um, as a way of, of weaning oneself from this knee-jerk brainwashing we've all been soaked in of, um, you know, that uh, of... Of, of, of just the whole consensus reality program objective space, objective time other people <laughs> a, a little body in a big world you know that's, 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 that's it's a mercy of, of harsh objective mechanical cause and effect you know in, in actual fact there's another thing you notice if you look at the, at the dynamism and the sort of the let's call it the mechanics of, your, of the apparitions in your experiential field, there's an astounding alignment of things. There's an intelligence that everything just sort of seems to work in a certain way. It doesn't always work in a way that like you want or that like, you might qualify as enjoyable or pleasant, but still in all, it's like an, an inconceivably intricate jigsaw puzzle that the entire thing is continually morphing, but it's always completely adjusted to itself. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so the fundamental issue is one of misinterpretation and hence confusion of what is actual with what is imagined and the solution is to just sort of take a scientific attitude and try and look very closely well what is actual what is here and of course you'll start with the presence of your experiential field and I suggest that if you're really careful and thorough, you won't get beyond that starting point. You're going to be with the presence of the experiential field, and it's not like that's a starting point and then that leads to something. It's like, well, okay, the experiential field is here. <laughs> then what? Now what? And it's like, whoa, that's interesting. That's kind of different. <laughs> and and this, this, actual, this context, this actual context, 
has a feeling tone that's just completely delightful. I mean, it's wonderful being being a bubble floating in in, in inconceivable infinity, inconceivable unknowable infinity. Um, you know, which is which is kind of not surprisingly a lot like the physical universe, isn't it? I mean, the Earth is a bubble floating in inconceivable, <laughs> unanalyzable infinity. And and hey, you experience the fact that your experiential field is essentially like that is well, that kind of fits. I mean, it, it's consonant, right? It resonates. <laughs> One aspect of all of this that that seems to crop up um, pretty much across the board as people try to approach this this very astounding um, <laughs> reality that <laughs> that you seem to be. Uh, <laughs> um, is the expectation that somehow this has mechanism or parts or portions um, you know in sort of simplistic approach pe- people often expect to you know to say that well what's appearing is less real than what's seeing it so somehow the the awareness or the perceiver is more real than what's appearing or um uh, perhaps that uh, um, um, you know that there are that there are priorities where some you know some kind of detachment is a superior, more more actualized condition than some kind of investment or emotionality, for example, and so on and so forth. Um, and this is quite understandable because from our, our human perspective, we're very used to trying to sort things out and figure out their arrangement and sort out their structurality and their, you know, find out, prioritize them, them and so on and so forth. Um, but the actuality is, is, seems to be that with this, um, this is not like that. This is a, a very curious, um, a, a very, very curious thing that, uh, that, is it is that is absolutely one thing. It is not. Um, it has no parts. It has no um, um, components. It has no, uh, um, you know, truer or less true aspects. What? What's you know? And and it's easy to see this in terms of some kind of a structurality where there is. There is an objective pole and there's a subjective pole. There is something being seen and there is something seeing it. Um, and even if you have the more sophisticated notion that those two are somehow the same thing, still in all, there's this, there's this but somehow it's being seen as a polarization and so on and so forth. Um, which is all quite understandable because that's very logical. But again, this isn't actually like that. Um, there is nothing being seen. And there is nothing seeing it. <laughs> um, there is no structure. There is no structural relationship between portions of this, and most especially um, from the point of view of active yogis like ourselves, I suppose. <laughs> um, there's no superior or inferior way of being with this. Detachment is not better than investment. You know, being, you know, sitting back and looking at everything is not any better than than being completely caught up in it and and involved with um, um, all of this this astoundingly intricate event and so on and so forth. So, um, what this is, you know, which which again is is counterintuitive and it goes against um, 
the normal modes of, of human thought or human logic. Um, so to see this absolute homogeneity of what this is here, that this is absolutely one thing, this, all of this, no matter how it is presenting, is one thing, and it, and it happens, so to speak, in one way. Um, so regardless of what it looks like, the waking state, the sleep state, the dream state, after death, all of these things are just exactly this. They never depart from this. They aren't versions of this or varieties of this. They are this. And that they appear so wildly, um, you know, divergent in terms of all of these qualities that appears and all these flavors and textures that these different aspects seem to present as. So that it happens to, seems to appear with all of this, this incredibly divergent apparent variety in terms of the textures and the dimensions and the, you know, the waking state is so different from the deep state, you know, sort of interior subjectivity seems so different from exterior objectivity and, and so on and so forth. All of these various ways that when we think about this, we tend to polarize it. Um, This is unexplainable. It's unanalyzable. uh, you know, of course, this doesn't stop the the uh, quixotic human mentality from from trying to sort it out and think about it and, and make sense of it and so on and so forth, um, uh, which is it too. Um, so the the extent to which this is completely and wholly itself, um, regardless of you know, its mode or its apparent structurality or whether, you know, if it seems to be a waking state or, or sleep state, seems to be you or seems to be someone else or all of these, these, these amazing varieties that we're all so familiar with. Um, this is just exactly this and it never departs from being this. And it always happens in exactly one way, which is its way. So... Um, but the implication of this is a complete letting go, um, rather than this very careful strategizing that we're so familiar with as human beings, of trying to position ourselves in some optimal position or strategy, you know, trying to achieve some kind of a condition of of poise or of or of clarity or of um, energy or whatever. Um, all of that is irrelevant because it's actually it's it's entirely. Um, a zero-sum game um, to an extent that is impossible to to really to really indicate. It never gains anything. It never loses anything. Um, it never becomes anything else. Excuse me, a second. There we go. This um. The interface for this new, this new software, I like it a lot, but the interface is a little unwieldy for muting and unmuting people. It's, uh, I have to open a separate window, which is a little distracting, but hey, you work with what you got, right? <laughs> um, so the, the, the inherent flavor of this is very alien to our normal human mode, where even if we're pretty relaxed people and pretty, you know, pretty um, going with the flow and that sort of thing. There still may be some sort of subtle strategizing of trying to position yourself with regard to your experience one way or another that's being held to be advantageous. And in actual fact, none of this is advantageous. 
Now, there's a, there's a kind of a reverse implication of this, which is really interesting. Since it doesn't matter, and it, it, since it's a completely irrelevant, the extent to which you are strategizing and positioning yourself within your experience, you're free to have carte blanche. You're free to position yourself in ex- your experience however you want, whatever seems to optimize your experience, but you're not actually gaining or losing anything from a point of view of liberation. So the implication of this is absolute liberation in terms of being with your experience any old way you damn well want. And if you enjoy being, you know, um, removed and abstracted and having an aloof point of view, that's fine. It's just totally cool. If you if you like to get down and dirty and into the into the thick of things and grappling with it, that's cool. It doesn't matter, you know. Um, so so there's a, there's a wonderful. Um, um, freedom and open-endedness, you know, which is, of course, the what is implied uh, with liberation that that one uh, uh, that one achieves. <laughs> um, uh, it comes it comes with this kind of a perk of uh, of realization, which is, of course, realization is, you know, we have this fancy word realization and enlightenment, which implies some great grandiose thing. Realization is nothing more than realizing what is going on here, and more particularly realizing what it isn't, which is everything you've ever thought it was. <laughs> because what it is is unthinkable. Um, but again, of course, fortunately, it doesn't need to be thought because um, it's, uh, it, is, it is what it is. <laughs> it doesn't need to, for you to get a hold of it or make sense of it because that's, that can't happen. Or let's say it won't happen. Good luck. <laughs> but again, even there, you're free to have at it. You know, you're free... It doesn't matter what you do within experience. You don't gain anything and you don't lose anything. There is no, you know, more advantageous stance and no less advantageous stance. So you're free to explore your druthers. You're free to, to do whatever you want. You know, if you enjoy being a hermit sitting in a cave staring at a blank wall all day for the rest of your life, have at it. You know, if you want to you know, go out and become a, a drug addict and, and get in bar fights or whatever, have at it. It doesn't matter. It really does not matter from a spiritual point of view. Um, because you are what this is. What this is is what you are and is already the case. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and of course, um, as, as you've heard me say many times, uh, it doesn't uh, this is, however, knowable. This is, however, findable. And it will verify and reveal that it is the way that it is um, to careful examination. So this is the upside of all this, is that it is actually possible to realize what this is, not by making sense of it, but on the contrary, by feeling it, by exploring it, um, with intelligence and experience is already pure intelligence so it's not like you need to you know smarten up or something <laughs> but simply simply um, feeling your experience as it is letting it be what it is um, with with sensitivity um, and and uh, 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 let's say engagement intelligent engagement is absolutely sufficient to discover the absolutely transcendental nature of this bizarre (laughs) this absolutely bizarre uh, thing that you are
The only thing that can be found is this present energy field um, that you may call it your experience. Nothing else can be found. And everything that you may think um, exists is a, a, a hypothesis based on the presence of this energy field. Calling it an energy field is arbitrary. You call it the experiential field, call it whatever you want. This that is here, this, right? Um, it's the only thing that is findable. Nothing can be found other than it. Nothing can be found outside it. And nothing can be found for you other than your experiential field. You can't know whether or not I'm experiencing anything. You can theorize it, perhaps I am, but you can't know that directly. The only thing, you know, and of course I'm not trying to brainwash you. I'm just suggesting you look for yourself and and explore this and see if, whether or not this is the case. <coughs> so this this field of experiencing exists. Here it is. Um, can you know what it is? Can you know how it works? Can you know what it's made of? Can you know where it is? I mean, it's here, but it kind of defines here. It makes its own here. You know, when you're driving in your car, then that's where here is. You know, when you're home and in your bed, that's where here is. When you're here in this room, that's where here is. So here comes with the presence of this experiential field. <clears throat> um, all this is very self-evident, of course. It's completely obvious, and we all know it. With, you know, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's completely intuitively um, self-evident that this is so. What's not self-evident is that nothing other than this is so. And that's where people run into problems. The idea that, that your experiential field exists is self-evident. The idea that anything else exists is where you run into troubles, where you run into complication and confusion. So here this is, great, and what do you know about it? Zip. You know, what's it made of? Who knows? Where is it? Who knows? How does it work? Who knows? What Does it have parts? Who knows? Does it not have parts? Who knows? Are there other are there entities? Are there things? Who knows? Are, you know, are there not things? Who knows? None of these questions are answerable. Um, but as, if you're a typical human being, you probably think that you can answer them. You probably have an answer that you're quite convinced is true and self-evidently true, and you just hold it, hold it to be that way. You sit in it as that, um, <clears throat> which is fine, and this is the normal human condition. So, you know, um, apparently, so there's no uh, there's no problem with that. It's just not true. And because it's not true. Um, it can potentially get you into trouble. If you orient to this, expecting it to conform to your expectations of what you think it is, sooner or later you're going to hit a disjunction. Sooner or later, things are not going to work out the way you expected or the way you planned it or the way you wanted it. Because the actuality of what it is and the way it works and what it consists of will deviate from your idea, from your certainty of what it consists of. And, and more fundamentally, <clears throat> from the spiritual point of view, 
our ideas of what things are, ideas of what this is and how it works, <coughs> by their very nature are limited. They're small, they're, they're finite, they're concrete. This is this and that's that and that's the other and you can tell them apart. Whereas the nature of, of this actuality, this, the experiential field, is that it's infinite and unknown. It's a bottomless mystery. It's a literal infinity. So, by holding it, by thinking you know what everything is, which, you know, is, is a normal human mindset, perhaps, um, you cut yourself off from the direct experience, the certain, the certain experiential access to the open-ended infinity that this actually is. Um, which, again, is not a problem because it actually is that, so you aren't actually cut off from anything. Um, it's all very paradoxical. But in terms of how you feel, in terms of what you feel like, in terms of what you allow yourself to access or the perspective within which you seem to sit, the perspective within which you seem to exist, and what you seem to be and what your limitations are and what your potentialities are, um, the implication is one of sort of a small, limited closeness um, of you know, the horror of human normalcy, you know, me and my sucky life, and you struggle along, and things work out a little bit, kind of, and kind of a lot not, and, you know, you, you go along, and you try and do the best you can, and sometimes you do okay, and sometimes maybe not so much, and, you know, life sucks, and then you die, um, but it's not, but that's not actually happening, there is no sucking, there is no life, and in fact, there's not even any dying, but you'll find that out, for yourself when the time comes. Um, and all of this is discoverable very directly by simply noticing what is actually here and the way it works and the way it deviates drastically from what we typically hold it to be and the way we typically hold it to work. <coughs> for example, you know, and this is just a few very arbitrary, partial aspects of this. For example, only the present moment exists. Now, this is kind of self-evident. You know, duh, only the present moment exists. But really feel it, you know. This, this present moment, this instant, it has zero duration. It's not like the present moment is here and it's kind of lasts a minute or a second or a half a second. It's, it's, it's faster than fast. As soon as it is, it's already gone. I mean, if you watch if you watch a second hand on a clock moving, and you watch when it hits twelve, how long is it at twelve? I mean, second hands move fast, but they don't move that fast. I mean, it's not like you're watching a bullet or something. So the second hand moves. It's, it's not at twelve. It's not at twelve. It's not at twelve. It's not at. You can't even say or think when it's at twelve because it's already past twelve. Or you can jump the gun and say, "Oh, it's at twelve. You know, just to, just to have time to get it out. You can't do it because it's at 12 for zero time. And yet it's only exactly where it is now. Where is it now? Here. Now. Just like this. But it's already gone. As soon as it's... As soon as it is in any particular condition, it's already gone. Zero duration. Well, that feels interesting, isn't it? I mean, all of a sudden, right, right, right there, just feeling what your, what does your world feel like? Is a kind of a lightness, a kind of a, a kind of a weirdness to it. I mean, it's like, golly, this is kind of trippy. This is kind of fun. 
And then you can look at the absolute inconstancy of phenomena. Every single thing is present only for an instant in that configuration. And it's never been that way before, and it's never going to be that way again. For example, what you're seeing right now in your field of vision, you've never seen before. Exactly that configuration of colors and lights, and it's already gone. In fact, it was gone before I was done snapping my fingers. Um, you may say, well, now the, you know, things change. All these pictures are still hanging there. Well, that's true as an abstraction, but if you look at the concrete fact of your experience, the concrete fact of your perception, you'll notice everything is fluctuating with inconceivable rapidity. And it never repeats. Um, it, you know, you can try... I've, to, I've told... I've, I've, many times I've said this. You can try an experiment. Sit before a black wall or a blank expanse of color without any particular thing going on. You know. And just look at it for five minutes. And, you know, the, 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 the simple notion is, well, it's just a wall just sitting there. That's pretty boring. And yeah, it may be pretty boring in a sense. But if you actually do the experiment, if you actually sit and look at the wall, within about 30 seconds, you'll wonder where the wall went. Because there's going to be all this flickering and little, little jumps and little glimmers and all of this stuff. And it just gets more and more and more that way. You know, if you just look steadily at it. And all of you, you know, I'm talking about field of vision now, but this applies across the board in terms of experiential field. <coughs> and all of your experience is just like this. And if it's always like that, how come we don't notice it? We don't notice it because your focus of attention is like a butterfly. You're looking here, looking there, and looking here. You don't actually look at anything long enough to watch it change, to watch it fluctuate. You're already dancing around in terms of, again, in terms of vision, but in terms of all the other senses as well. They, 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 they light on this and that and this and that. And because you're just taking little snapshots, it's easy to pretend it's all coherent, it's all stable and solid and just sitting there and not changing. Um, because, you, because you hold that in your imagination. You're not, there's no evidence to counter that. But if you actually sit and look at your, the way experience actually happens, you discover an astounding subtle dynamism and not so subtle dynamism isn't it? and perhaps the most interesting characteristic of experience is it's unresolvable you can't tell exactly what anything is and this is very counterintuitive if you're just thinking superficially you know think well of course things are what they are you know like, take color you know this this carpet is the color that it is, you know, and it's, and it's that color, and this rug is the color that it is, you know. But is it, really? What color is it, precisely? And you can look at it. First of all, you look at it and you notice right away, well, every single portion of it is a slightly different shade from every other portion. And as you look at it, it's all fluctuating and breathing anyway, if you let yourself just gaze at it for a while without letting your eyes move. And then... You know, exactly what color is it? Is it this color? Is it that color? Does it stay the same? It doesn't even stay the same. You know, you'll you'll notice you'll notice you'll after a while if you really explore this kind of stuff, you'll think someone dosed you with a psychedelic or something. Because you'll just notice this the experience is fluctuating wildly. And it's not like the rug has changed color necessarily, but 
You can't pin it down precisely what it is. And the same thing applies to shape. The same thing applies to texture. You know, exactly what does it feel like to rub your fingers together? Well, it feels like my fingers rubbing together. Everyone knows that. But if you, if you do that experiment, if you just sit and rub your fingers for a while, you know, what is it? What's happening there? It turns in, it's this weird, you know, at first you picture your fingers and they're rubbing, and if you just sort of do it out of your field of vision, it becomes this weird sort of a tingling and buzzing, and it turns into a kind of a flickering, and it, it can spin off into all kinds of little flashes of light. Or, I mean, whatever. But the point is that it's not like the closer you look at it, the simpler it becomes and the duller it becomes. On the contrary, the closer you look at it, the stranger it becomes and the more you tend to sort of go off from what you thought you were starting with. And this is intrinsic to the nature of experience yourself, and I, I invite you to play with this if you find it interesting. <clears throat> so the point of all this, in, in, in very simple terms, is that um, experience, reality, this that is here, this presence, this actuality, is wildly different than you may have imagined, then you can imagine, because what it is, is unimaginable. It's literally unthinkable. Because you cannot resolve, you cannot pin down what it is and how it works with finite concepts. And the concepts are all essentially finite. They're all defined by their definition. And nothing in actuality, nothing in this experiential field is definable. Because it's, it's this infinite density of information, this infinite density of possibility and unresolvability in all the range of qualities that present themselves. <clears throat> One aspect of this this yoga that is that may be unexpected is that it it always is working with the absolute basic. It's not like you you start a basic engagement and then you get more and more subtle and more and more refined and more and more elaborate and it's like a like a hierarchy where you're you know you're in kindergarten and then you're in school and then you're in high school and then you're in college and then you're at graduate school it's always you're always being exactly with the starting point you're always being exactly with the starting line of the race so to speak um which is simply the presence of your experiential field, which is the beginning point of your investigation. It's also, of course, the end point of your investigation, and it's where you are the entire time. <coughs> um, so simply noticing, of course, um, as no doubt you've heard me say many times, simply noticing that this that is here um, does not conform to what you're used to thinking of it as being. It does not conform to your ideas about it. And so it's a simple, it's a simple reality check of looking at your experience, um, the way it actually works, the way it actually is, the way it actually presents itself, and notice the way it deviates wildly from our expectations and from our normal human modes of thinking about it. And um, 
simply this, it will train you into in understanding what it actually is and the way that it actually is, what it actually is, simply by exposure, simply by noticing it. <coughs> um, you know, and the the pitfall of trying to build up elaborate ideas about what this is and about how amazing it is that even though it, it's different from consensus reality, um, it, 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 the pitfall of doing that is simply going back to erecting a new, a new imaginary reality which will not in any way help your, um, your engagement. <laughs> so always just the simple... The simple presence of this actuality and its absolute unresolvability, its absolute um, uh, indeterminacy, and so on and so forth. So just this, just this, always this sort of starting point level of, well, here this is, and that's that's it. The starting line is the finish line. It's a most peculiar race. <laughs> um, and, you know, the temptation, you start at the starting line and you try and go somewhere, of course, because this is the way our, our mind tends to work. This is the way uh, consciousness tends to work. So you start at the starting line, you try and go somewhere, and pretty soon you're off and running and you're off in fantasy land again and, and you're dealing with, it with <laughs> imagination. And so then, of course, the process is just come back, well, okay, what is here? And then... The absolute, you know, the paradoxical absolute simplicity and, you know, simultaneous absolute simplicity and absolute complexity and subtlety of what this is um, reveals itself again. And this is always the, this is always the, um, the battleground of this yoga is this this actuality that is right here right now, the way that it is, um, in its in its amazing, um, absolute normal and yet absolutely astounding nature. So one of the backwards features of this yoga is that the yoga itself is is extremely easy to do. It's it's very basic and fundamental. In fact, you're already always doing it. The challenge in this yoga is not how to do it or what to do. The challenge is letting go of the the erroneous mindset and and, and um, worldview that you have been educated in, been brainwashed in, that you think you are, that you think your situation is. <clears throat> um, it's very difficult to get through one's head how fundamentally and radically in error um, the consensus reality or your consensus reality worldview is. Um, it's shocking how different actuality is from the, you know, the sort of human normalcy view of what it is. And um, it's, it's difficult to credit it until you have it um, proved to you um, immediately and, and self-verifyingly and undeniably. 
you know the 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 the, the, uh, uh, rea- the reaction the reaction is it, c- it couldn't be it couldn't be that it couldn't be that it couldn't be that's too weird that's too bizarre that's too different than um, than I've always thought that I've always um, felt it to be and uh, this is of course um, this is of course magnified and held in place cemented by um, the fact that this basic erroneous mindset, this basic erroneous interpretive framework, um, is not just conceptual, but through a kind of a, of a hypnotic means um, that consciousness um, spontaneously <laughs> provides very generously. It's it's actually felt to be so. It's not just thought to be so. It feels as if it is that way, which makes it which makes it even more shocking. Um, to to discover uh, or, or challenging to to notice that it isn't, and then shocking to discover that in fact it is so fundamentally um, other than uh, one has always thought. So this is the big challenge in the yoga. Yoga itself is extremely easy. Of course, you know um, you've all heard me say many times, yoga is simply look at the actuality, i.e., feel perceive, see the experiencing of your experience and notice how um, notice what it is notice how it works notice what it feels like notice um, um, what it is and you will discover that it is um, fundamentally different than um, than the aforementioned um, um, <laughs> consensus reality worldview.